Welcome to Declare, the official podcast of the Libertarian Party of Ohio. Each episode, LPO Communications Director Aaron Keith Harris talks to the most interesting people promoting liberty in Ohio and around the world. You can send questions and comments to news at lpo.org. John, thanks for joining us today. You wrote an article that we posted on lpo.org. Why don't you tell me what the title of that was and uh, what it was about? Well, my original title of it was The Campaign That Wasn't. Right. And it uh, it deals with the fact that uh, back last month we passed the day to file petitions to run for partisan in partisan primaries, and that thanks to the actions of the majority party in Ohio, uh, we do not have the opportunity to do that in right. 2016. Yeah, and people, if they follow um, the LPO Facebook and on the website and our emails, they know way too much about all that stuff. And after two years of talking about it, my mind is like numb every time this stuff comes up. But so if you're interested in that type of stuff, keep checking LPO.org, sign up for our email newsletter. Uh, as we take this on January 13th, the LPO versus Houston um, uh, fight to strike down SB 183 is still pending. Um, we may get back on the ballot somehow between now and then. Uh, we're going forward with a, uh, a uh, petition drive to get back on, at which point we can nominate candidates in August, but all that's up in the air. So if you would have been allowed to file your candidacy for U.S. Senate back a little more than a month ago, I think, um, right. what, what would you be talking about? What would you be planning on running on as the Libertarian candidate for U.S. Senator? Well, because Libertarians are always long shots to run, you, you have a certain freedom that candidates with more chips in the game don't have. Right. Uh, so I would be talking about the key issues that are important to libertarians and that libertarians think are important to the future of this country. Well, and you also, you also have the advantage of being a member of the party of principle. So you can kind of say what your principles are. So, um, (laughs) given that what would libertarians, what are the big issues in this campaign? Uh, especially on the national level, we were talking earlier about, you know, the presidential campaigns and all the national issues. And there's a lot for a libertarian to comment on and all that. That's right. The the big issues that I would have had, um, the one thing that I've been pushing for quite a while is um, what I refer to as the 10th amendment for drug laws, Mm -hmm. which which would simply be a federal, federal legislation that says in the cases where where federal and state laws concerning drugs conflict with one another, the the policy of the federal government shall be to not interfere with the state laws. Right. Um, I'm sure that many of our listeners have heard, for instance, Chris Christie mm-hmm. talk about that if he becomes president, he's going to crack down on the states that have legalized marijuana for recreational purposes. He's even threatened to crack down on the states that have uh, legalized for medical purposes. Right, right. And what, what this bill would say is simply, uh, no, we won't do that if right. 
if uh, Colorado or, or Oregon or Washington has decided to completely legalize marijuana, then the federal government simply will have as a policy not to interfere with that. Right. What was your take on um, the um, responsible Ohio thing that went down uh, to defeat in back in November? Well, I was, yeah. yeah, I was one of the folks who was fairly loudly opposed to the responsible Ohio effort. Uh, and, and like I would say the vast majority of libertarians, my issue with responsible Ohio wasn't obviously uh, re-legalizing cannabis. It was simply the way that they were going would go about making cannabis available. Mm-hmm. The market for cannabis would have been controlled by a, a small number of deep pockets investors right. who would have an absolute lock on the trade. Yeah. Uh, had, had their bill passed, you know, they kept talking about not putting people in jail, but had their bill passed, had you bought cannabis from a source other than them, you would have gone to jail. Right. If you had grown your own and grown one plant more than the minimum that they allowed, you would go to jail. If you brought cannabis in from another state where it's legal, you would go to jail. Yep. yep. Didn't they also increase some of the penalties for possession and stuff um, outside? Like if you didn't go through the responsible Ohio stuff and you still did it, um, some of the penalties for marijuana-related crimes outside that actually went up, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, they did. That's correct. Right, which, and, which my, my point and was that it's basically they're just making another legal drug cartel, and there's still going to be a lot of illegal stuff going on around it. Well, that's correct, and and the worst thing about it all was I, you know, I I've, I've said it in another context because there there's some talk about them going at it again this year or next year. I I would even put up with the cartel as as bad as it is if it had. A, a sunset date on it. Mm-hmm. If if their uh, monopoly on it was was limited to say ten years, because I can understand people wanting to, you know, get something back on their investment if they're going to put a lot of money forth to get something done. Yeah. But but with the original proposal that they had with no sunset date on it, it would have locked the consumers of Ohio into that cartel forever. Right. And they would have had so much money coming in, it would have been very, very difficult to ever change the law again. Right. They'd hang on for dear life and trying to keep that uh, cash cow. Um, and I think it's, uh, it, it's interesting and positive in one way, but it's also a little depressing in the other way that, you know, liberty in that area is um, um, attracting a lot of interest, both among younger voters and people realizing that marijuana should simply not be illegal for adults um, for all kinds of reasons. And people are investing in that uh, um, all kinds of marijuana and cannabis products for health, recreation, all kinds of stuff. That's great. That It's great that people are willing to invest in that. But it's also that on the cynical side of me is like, is that what it takes for us to get sort of a basic human right, right, you know, um, it's it's depressing that some people would basically take advantage of their fellow citizens and want to make um, an extra uh, amount of money with less effort, so they could you know corner the marketplace and basically 
you can have a little bit of freedom, but not too much. And nonetheless, we make a lot of money off of it. And on, on a philosophical basis, it's also a cautionary tale for all of us on how dangerous it is to surrender any of your rights ever. Yeah. Because it is so difficult to get them back once you do. Yep, I uh, I really agree with that. And there's all kinds. I'm sure we could list uh, all night all kinds of instances where um, people have done that. Um, what else uh, would you be stumping about if you were um, allowed to run for Senate? Well, um, I'm I'm very strong about uh, reducing our military-industrial complex, to use the popular term. Uh, to uh, reducing the, the vast expenditures for defense, for closing uh, the literally hundreds of bases that we have around the world that I don't think serve American interests, at least not in 2016. Mm -hmm. Governor Johnson, when he ran for president four years ago, pointed out that we could cut the defense bed budget 40 i think it was 43 percent and right. that would only take us back to about 2010 or 20 2008 something like that right uh it, it, which gives you an idea of just how much money we spend on this thing yeah i i'm very strong in trying to pull government back into its constitutional limits that's that's you know libertarian rule number one yeah uh but I, at I least think start that, nudging it that way right yeah and the, the low-hanging fruit on that, or at least some of the low-hanging fruit on that, is to start to rein in the, the, the defense spending. Yes. Uh, we spend, I think it's we spend more on defense than the next, I think it's the next 20 countries combined. Yeah, I think it's interesting that a lot of Republican candidates like seem to be proud of that. And uh, I was watching one of the earlier debates, or I, I think I listened to that one on the radio, where I think Huckabee and Carson were both talking about how weak our military was. And again, if you look at w w the military spending really forever, it sort of always goes up over the long term, and certainly since 9 11. But on the other hand, of course, Republicans want to talk tough because that's been their stock and trade for a long time. But in the same breath, they, they talk about wanting to be, you know, cut spending, cut the size of the federal government. But if you won't cut, of course, nobody wants to cut or reform Social Security, and no Republican wants to do anything but increase military spending, which is the other huge, huge chunk. Um, like, uh, how could they even be taken seriously about wanting to rein in spending? Well, you, you can't take them seriously. Right. Um, that, that, that's, that's, it's as simple as that. The The... The future of this country is only going to be secured if we can somehow break the stranglehold that the two legacy parties have on on this country and on its government. Uh, I commented uh, earlier today in another context that I am sincerely thrilled to see Rand Paul bumped from the top-tier Republican debate Right, that's coming up. Why and would that be? Because after all, we're libertarians. Shouldn't we be supporting Rand Paul? Well, uh, I, let, let, let's put aside for the fact whether Rand Paul is a libertarian or a faux libertarian or whatever. Right. The, re the reason that I'm so thrilled to see this 
is that it's one more message to pro-liberty Republicans, of whom there are many, right? that in the long run, the GOP is not their home. Right. The GOP does not have their interests or the interests of, of liberty at heart. Right. Sooner or later, they're going to have to choose between being part of this big edifice that elects candidates on a regular basis and with comparative ease or coming to somebody else that actually speaks for their principles and their values. Right. And as far as I'm concerned, it's it's an obvious point that that second option is the Libertarian Party. Right. No, I I agree, obviously. Um, I think it is interesting how this race is shaping up. Like, you know, the Donald Trump thing is just endlessly fascinating and entertaining to me. Um, It shows... I think you can draw all kinds of conclusions from it. Number one, first and foremost, is that the Republican Party is, well, it has been dead uh, for several years. As far as ideas go, I think that their demographics just look horrible for them. All of the, you know, many of the people who are so strongly Republican in their uh, contributions and their voting are literally dying off they're having a really hard time maintaining sort of the, the fiction that if you are holding the sort of their coalition together, I see the two big, uh, two huge parts of the Republican coalition are both the sort of, like you said, the liberty minded conservatives and smaller libertarians who still vote Republican and uh, Christian conservatives on the other hand, who vote Republican and neither one of those constituencies are really getting what they want from the party. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost the same thing on, um, you know, we don't, I don't want to get into abortion and gay rights and all that stuff right now. If, but if you want to, that's fine. But a lot of times right around election time, the Republicans talk tough on the social issues. They talk tough on the tax cutting for we libertarians for us libertarians. And then come January, February, you don't hear that anymore. And so I wonder how, how long that these big constituencies that are literally keeping the Republican party alive with their checks and their votes are going to, how long are they going to stick with it? And the Donald Trump thing, like, what do you make of all that? Is is Donald Trump actually going to get that nomination? I still don't think so, and, and if he does, I'm confident that he can't win the general election. Right. But, but, but Donald Trump is the Republicans' gonad candidate in the sense that Bernie Sanders is the Democrat's, uh, Democrats' gonad candidate. Explain what you mean by that. Well, re- Trump speaks to the gut, emotional person inside a lot, a lot of rank and file Republicans. Right. He says, he says the kind, he talks about what he says is, well, wants to talk about making America great. But what he's really talking about is making America the kind of country that a certain kind of rank and file Republican thinks it always was, or always should have been. Well, it's interesting you say rank and file Republican, because I've been seeing a lot of things recently that a lot of the 
people that we would have called Reagan Democrats 30 years ago are really going for Trump too. Um, well, and, and there's, there's, a, I live in an, I live in an area of Ohio that's absolutely full of that kind of, of uh, Democrat. Right. I live in, in Youngstown in Mahoning County, right. which is, it's a solidly democratic area. Uh, we have, in our county, the first Republican elected county official in more than 30 years right now, and it took his opponent being indicted <laughs> to make that happen, literally. Right, right. Yep. Uh, but the, the Democratic Party in this county is based on the uh, ethnic blue-collar, uh, largely Catholic or Orthodox uh, right. Rank and file Democrat, and you know you don't you don't hear Democratic candidates in this area uh, talking much about marriage equality or, uh, or or making abortion safe for women. Right, those, right. those those aren't those aren't issues that play here. Uh, the the rank and file Democrat here loves to hear Donald Trump talk about you know kicking out all the furners. Yeah, and, and, and making the country strong again. It is. I, yeah, he a lot of his rhetoric is sort of like bizarro Ronald Reagan, right? He appeals to like whereas Reagan hate him or love him. I I have mixed feelings about him, um, but he really did try to appeal to the best in those type of people. Um, like, and Trump seems to hit those same themes, but he hits them. Uh, the, he's appealing to the fear in people on those themes. So uh, it, it just, the, the whole thing just, it it honestly makes me laugh um, every time I see him on TV and his poll numbers. Um, so what, so what, why, don't, why don't you think he's going to win and who do you think will get that nomination? Well, I, I don't trust the Republicans to run a fair election. <laughs> why, why, why ever should you say that, uh, John? Oh, gee, let me think. <laughs> uh, it could have something to do with HB 193. It could have to do with challenging opponents' petitions. But never mind that. And also, and also how they run their own central committee here in Ohio, which right. Well, and 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 the the wonderful welcoming spirit that they had for Ron Paul Republicans at their national convention in 2012. Right. 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 The Republicans don't want the, the Republican leadership. The Republican uh, higher ups, I, I truly believe, want no part of Donald Trump. Right. Uh, they don't really want Ted Cruz. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'd they'd like to uh, conjure the shade of Jeb Bush, but I don't think even they think that's possible anymore. Right. Uh, and, and so probably their hopes are now pinned to Marco Rubio. Right. And, and that's kind of what I'm expecting to see happen. Right. Uh, you know, by the same token, we're seeing on the Democratic side the the notion that, that Bernie Sanders is fast coming up on Hillary Clinton. Right. And I, I don't think that the Democratic higher-ups are any more fond of the idea of Sanders as their nominee than the Republicans are of Trump. Right. Uh, Hillary Clinton, by by all, by any reasonable standard, should have been dead in the water months ago. 
Well, years ago. I mean, really. I mean, well, but well, <laughs> particularly, I'm particularly thinking of what has come up about her right. in the last several months. Right. Uh, I mean, that that's that would have been enough to kill ten normal candidates. Right. But she has, from from the standpoint of the way the Democrats operate their their organization, yep. she has two things going for her: the tremendous edifice of the Clinton organization behind her mm-hmm. and and the fact and the gender issue yep. the, the fact that a lot of democrats have convinced themselves that it's, it's time for a woman and by god we're going to get one right yeah uh, i think it's so okay whether you end up with bernie or hillary or what i think is going to happen you're going to have hillary and uh, a hillary bernie ticket i mean it's quite obvious that uh, in my mind and uh, like i don't think there's any question about that but um and on the Republican side, you either get Trump, who is incredibly insane uh, and acts that way, or you get one of the other Republicans who is pretty insane, uh, wants to go to war. Um, you know, every time I sort of dip in on one of their debates or, or read a story, they all seem to be competing on, you know, how how many ISIS members they could kill with their bare hands and. Uh, how much they can spend on new new uh, weaponry, and so I think you know what I'm getting at. That 2016, I think, with the Libertarians likely to nominate Gary Johnson, and again, neither one of us, uh, I don't think, are endorsing anyone at this point. But just how well Gary ran his campaign last time, um, and, and a couple of the other great uh, Libertarian presidential candidates, like our own Mark Allen Feldman. Um, I think that a lot of people might actually really take a look at um, libertarians, green candidates. Uh, Jim Webb, uh, speaking of another insane politician, is uh, thinking about running as an independent. Do you? Uh, are we getting our hopes up here with people like looking at this and finally, maybe another five or ten percent of people like, yeah, I just can't vote for either one of these uh, legacy parties anymore. No, I think this should be an excellent year for for third parties in general, what we prefer to call challenger parties. Right. Uh and and for the Libertarian Party in particular. Um the worse the Republican and Democratic choices are, the better it is for us, let's be honest. Right. Yep. Um I I don't as I look at, at the major parties, what I prefer to call the legacy parties, because that's really what we're talking about right as a voter i don't see enough to prefer one or the other either within their parties or between the two parties i i don't see enough reason to go out of my way to elect rand paul over marco rubio or to elect anybody on the democratic side and right. I don't see I don't see enough reason to prefer, you know, Donald Trump over Hillary Clinton or vice versa. Right. I I, I think those are just you know different ways to poison yourself. Right. Um, I think you're going to be seeing more and more of that, and I think that I think there's a very very good chance 2016 is not going to elect a challenger party president. I think we all know that. Right. But it could be a very big step on the road to someday electing a challenger party president. 
Right. And I think that I, I, I think you and I may have talked about this in the past, but my sort of theory has always been that if you look at American history um, and even, you know, world history that, you know, upsetting a long established political order, it, it doesn't happen incrementally. It's not like, okay, Gary Johnson got just over 1% last year. He'll get just over, you know, 3% this year. And then, somebody else to get just over 5% until you get up to 30 or 40 or 50. It seems to be, you know, you know, the, with the Whigs and the Republicans before the civil war, there is a, uh, some sort of a crisis or external event or issue where one party kind of loses its purpose for existing. Uh, Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And, and, you know, there. I think there's always going to be, or at least for the foreseeable future, a Democratic Party in America because they're basically the party of government, the party of public sector unions, uh, the party of people who depend on the government for paychecks. And, you know, I'm not criticizing all people on welfare because, you know, we've trained generations of people to basically do nothing to get checks and we've wrecked the economy and devalued the dollar by 96% in a hundred years. So no wonder we have a lot of people on welfare. Um, But so there's always going to be a constituency for maintaining the bureaucracies, the wealth transfers, the uh, regulatory regime. And the the Democrats are pretty much it. The Republicans use, you know, the anti-communism thing, you know, both of us are old enough to remember when that was, uh, the thing that kept them together. Um, I really see the, well, I don't even know what the Republican Party stands for anymore. And so I think that the more that we have candidates like Gary Johnson, who are excellent candidates, more qualified than the two who were on the ballot last time, I think people are going to, you know, it, it's going to go from 1% to 6% to 40%, you know. Yeah, that's um, probably right. Yeah, uh, there's there's a one of my favorite movies is is the movie called The American President that, that Michael Jacks uh, Michael Jack, um, Michael Douglas starred in. Yeah, yeah. And there's a great speech towards the end of it. Uh, now the the character obviously is a stereotypical liberal Democrat, but let's not worry about that. He he talks about in this one speech at the end that about his opponent that his opponent opponent is not about doing anything for you. He's about telling you what you should fear and who you should blame for it. Yeah. And and that's American politics and especially Republican politics in a nutshell right there. Well, really, government shouldn't do anything. It shouldn't do anything for you, and it shouldn't tell you who to fear and who to blame. And that's, what, that's why libertarians exist, right? That's right. Yeah. Uh, you know, you were asking where the, what, what's motivating Republicans. Now, they've, they've simply replaced the red menace with the Mexican menace and the Muslim menace and yeah. the uh, and then you can fill in with abortion and gays and anything else. Well, I think still, the, the bottom line is still the same. It's still it's still not about who you should be with. It's about who you should fear. Right, and I think to add in on that list that a lot of this other uh, this part of it is a little more subtle um, sometimes because it's trickier for Republicans, but. You know, I think there's a lot of, of um, um, you know, anti-black sentiment kind of bubbling below the surface. Oh, yes. Um, when you hear people talk about, you know, justifying 
um, just the ridiculously abusive things police get up to every day, both, you know, and police do it to everybody. Um, uh, blacks and other minorities tend to get the uh, brunt of it um, much worse. But right. there's always a little bit of like, hey, law and order or the Republican law and order things. And I think that is, you know, the the dog whistle, right? Like that's like, hey, right. you're protecting you against them too. And, it, you know, it, it makes me ashamed. I, I often, when people ask me about politics, I say, well, you know, my name's Aaron and I'm a recovering Republican, right? Like the last Republican I voted for was Ron Paul in the 2008 primary. And, you know, I'm just ashamed to have been a part of that party. Um, and I think a lot of other people, and we've seen uh, during our years with the LPO, you've been around a lot longer. And I want to, you know, talk about that here in a second. But we've seen a lot of younger people um, coming in, women coming in, um, who, you know, we're not, we used to be thought of, you know, when I first started getting interested in libertarianism about 20 years ago, we were all sort of nerdy white guys and there's still plenty of us, uh, like you and me around, but right. um, (laughs) we're getting all kinds of other people, um, because they're just, they're, they're, they're tired of, of, that fear and being told um, who to vote against rather than an idea uh, or, or somebody who wants to respect them and protect their rights. And that's why we're in the fight, right? Well, all right. I mean, I, you look at, at the political division of the Libertarian Party of Ohio, yeah. uh, where our, our chair is a wonderfully dynamic attorney who happens to be fairly young and female. Right. And our our vice chair is an incredibly energetic, really young guy. Right. Uh, you know, this is – and you're right. There's still enough of us old, angry white guys around. Let's talk just a few minutes about sort of how long you've been involved with the LPO and then kind of maybe talk about uh, what the Central Committee does um, – and maybe put an appeal out there for people to get involved um, right. on CENTCOM. So, so John, tell me how you've been – I've been around in the LPO about five-plus years now. You've been around a lot longer. I've been around a while longer. I, I'm a uh, – you were talking about being a recovering Republican. I'm a, I'm a lifer in politics. Uh, I, my first political campaign predates the Libertarian Party. Wow. I, I went door-to-door delivering literature for my father in 1961 when I was four years old. My father oh, was wow. city council president. My first political speech uh, in public was to the young Republicans of Summit County in 1980 okay. on, beha- on behalf of Howard Baker, okay. who was then one of the candidates contesting Ronald Reagan's coronation. Right. Uh, I joined the Libertarian Party in 1996 and became active locally here in the Mahoning County area. Served a couple of tours as chair of the local party under the old organization. And first became active on the old central state executive committee uh, in very late 1999. So I'm now... 16 years into my activism uh, in the Libertarian Party of Ohio as a state organization. Right. And as 
the Central Committee Chairman. Um, it's kind of a, a strange job and a tough job. Tell us, I could tell you all kinds of stuff about it, um, but tell us what, yeah, what that sure job could. is. Yeah, what that job is, and, and we have we have more people on our Central Committee than we ever have before. Uh, so tell us how it's set up, and but we still have some openings, and we still need well, the, the Central Committee is basically the board of directors of the Libertarian Party of Ohio. We are not the body that, that should be, for the most part, engaging in the day-to-day business of the party. That's what our executive committee is for. But our job is to keep an eye on the executive committee uh, to make sure that, that they are fulfilling the objectives and goals of the party. The format of the uh, Central Committee is determined through the uh, Ohio Revised Code, and we have two seats for each congressional district in the state of Ohio. Um, And if I remember correctly, there are now 14 congressional districts, so a maximum of 28 members. Uh, there's 16 now. Was it 16? I'm sorry. Yeah, well, yeah, it's... uh, 32. (laughs) Um... We are required to undergo reorganization every two years after the primaries, and that even holds true for us this year after the upcoming primary, even though we're not going to have a primary. So there are local central committee elections coming up in March in most parts of the state of Ohio, where we will be electing new central committee members. We will certainly have... Uh, some openings still after that, uh, either because not enough people filed in the places that are having elections or there are a few places where the elections didn't get organized. So we will be having a reorganizing meeting uh, in April, actually on April 23rd in Columbus, where we will be reforming the new Central Committee for the next two years, uh, filling vacancies if we have any uh, interested people, and um, and then electing our new leadership and electing our new central committee, our right. new executive committee, correct uh, to yeah. operate for the next two years. And some of this sounds—it's you know, hear the term inside baseball. It's incredibly boring to talk about, but we actually do quite a bit of good. We we meet. I'm on the central committee too, as you know. Um, right. <laughs> we meet two or three times a year. Take care of important business. And the reason we're set up like this, a lot of people don't like it. You know, we libertarians kind of like to do things a little more, you know, travel a little lighter. But we we simply have to do it this way because of the Ohio Revised Code. If you want to run, um, if you want to be a political party and raise money as a political party, you have to have a central committee and you have to do certain things. So, yeah, and so it's important that we have that to protect our legal status as a party. So, you know, um, we often hear talks about, oh, is, are the Republicans going to try to infiltrate us? Or, you know, um, it, it's all that stuff is unlikely to happen, but it's, it's important for us to have strong, committed libertarians from all over the state uh, of all different backgrounds who can basically be trustees of this party and keep our, our brand, what it is, which is the party That's principle, right. uh, you know, minimum government, maximum freedom. And uh, we have a lot of great people on that. And so if you're interested in 
possibly running or finding out more about all this, um, you can email info at lpo.org, and we'll, we'll get you some info about that uh, if you have a question for me or John. Do you have a suggestion, something you want to kind of go out on? Well, I was also going to point out, of course, one thing that we haven't talked about is that in, in, in other hats that we wear in the party, you're actually my boss. Oh, yeah, yeah. In a different area. Because yeah. uh, for the listeners who don't know, uh, Aaron is the uh, communications director for the Libertarian Party of Ohio. And I am one of his, I would like to think, resources. <laughs> oh, yeah. John, John for, helps, helps me and helps our uh, chairman and some other people. Uh, when we need letters written, articles, things like that. Um, it's a tough job to um, try to generate content enough to keep people informed about the party, um, things like that. And we're always looking for new help there. I got a couple uh, volunteers here recently that I think I'm going to be bringing on board to help us with editing this podcast and posting it, as well as uh, another person uh, on the social media side. And we're always, you know, we're always looking for good writers. It's um, John gives me clean copy, which I love, and uh, uh, he's a good editor himself. And so, um, but if you like to write, uh, social media, other types of creative stuff, audio, video, um, we'd love to have you on the team. John and I can help you create some stuff, and that's that's really what we're going to focus on this year. I think um, John is, you know, whether or not we get on the ballot as the state party, um, you know, we can't, you know, but again, by law, like it, when, and if we do get candidates on the ballot, you know, our, our central or executive committee doesn't tell those candidates what to do. And we, you know, they have to spend their own money legally and, and they have their ideas. And so as, as the communications division, we're going to be, uh, talked with Bob just a couple of days ago, working on some plans to do a lot more video, and things like that, just getting the libertarian message out there. Um, because, again, the crazier this national political scene gets, that simple message of liberty is going to sound a lot better. And I think that's I, – I, I know you're going to help me do a good job, but you know, just getting that simple message out there, people are going to say, you know what? These guys actually sound pretty sensible. It's funny. One, one last thing. Um, I talk to high schools once in a while on behalf of the LPO and, and one in particular, um, they usually, you know, sometimes they'll pick me among their speakers to write a paper on. And the um, teacher asked them to classify where the speaker was on the political spectrum, you know, f you know, far right, far left or, or whatever. Of course they use the, you know, like a one line spectrum rather than, right. you know, like the, world's smallest political quiz or grid or something like that. But every single time, and I'm talking probably a couple of dozen of these over the last few years, I've gotten one of those. She sends me, sends me copies. They all classify me as a moderate, which if you know, you know, when I saw that, I was almost offended at first. But then I got to thinking about how really aren't libertarians kind of, we're the same ones, aren't we? I like to think so. Yeah. The the great challenge that we have as a party that we have always had as a party and and will have for the foreseeable future is that when you say Democrat to the average voter, 
they think they know what you're talking about. In many cases, they're wrong, but they think they know. Right. When you say Republican to the average voter, it's the same thing. They right. think they know what you're talking about, and they're equally as wrong. Right. But they have an idea of what that brand stands for. Right. When you say libertarian, maybe a quarter of the people in this country have any kind of a sense of where we're coming from. Right. Uh, and a fair number of them are wrong. Yeah, I'd like to see some recent, more recent research on that because you're right. Sometimes you meet people and they know exactly what they're about, and some other times they think we're, you know, the Lyndon LaRouche guys or something like that. But well, the, the main problem that we have is in terms of our image is that it, it isn't so much that people have the wrong impression of us, but that they don't see anywhere near the whole picture. Right, they just don't you know, know enough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the uh, the the old cliche is that libertarians are Republicans who like to get high. Right. Um, which isn't true. <laughs> well, in Peter um, Rourke's case, it was, but but that's well, yeah. <laughs> um, the libertarians are are the people who, if they're ever elected to office, will take their oath on the Constitution. Yeah. Uh, if I'm ever elected to office, that'll literally be the case. Right. I won't. I won't swear on a Bible. I will swear on a copy of the Constitution. Right. I'm. I'm a. I'm a constitutional fundamentalist. Right. <laughs> um, I, I, I. To use the uh, the parody of the uh, religious yeah. line, I, I believe in a whole Constitution, not a Constitution full of holes. Yep. Uh, and and I think that's where the overwhelming majority of libertarians are, and I think that that above and beyond everything else is the message that we need to get out to prospective voters. If you care about your liberty, if you care about the Constitution, if you care about the structure of rights and responsibilities upon which this country was based and upon which this country can only is it the only basis on which this country can succeed, then in the long run, you need to come to the Libertarian Party. Right. I, I, I couldn't have said it better myself, and I think that's probably a good point um, to go out on. If, um, if you're interested in helping out in the communications division on the Central Committee, just finding out more about how you could possibly be a candidate for the LPO or help the Libertarian Party in any way. I know we're getting some inquiries now about people wanting to help um, one presidential candidate or another for the uh, Libertarian Party. Uh, all of those questions can be answered. Just uh, email us at info at lpo.org. And, uh, John, I'm going to be seeing you, well, I don't know, fairly soon, but we talk all the time on Facebook, and so look for John's writing and mine on LPO.org. Any, any last words, John? Nope, that should do it. Okay. John Fockler here on the LPO Podcast. This has been Declare, the official podcast of the Libertarian Party of Ohio. This program is paid for by the Libertarian Party of Ohio, not authorized or endorsed by any candidate or candidate's committee. 2586 Tiller Lane, 
Suite 2K, Columbus, Ohio, 43231-2265. Call toll-free 888-371-2965. And once again, reach your host Aaron at news at lpo.org.